Hey everyone, my name is Ricardo Avila. Let me ask you something. Does your heart race when you hear great music? I thought so. Does your heart ache when you hear a compelling story? I know it does. I also know your heart is going to love listening to the PC Music Diary. Your favorite popping collars hosts, maybe a surprise guest star or two, reveal the songs that have had the biggest impact on their lives through heartwarming, heartbreaking, and heartfelt stories. So listen to your heart and check out the PC Music Diary on the Popping Collars feed, wherever you get your podcasts. Pop, pop goes the heartbreak. Liz, you look so good in your collar. Thanks, thanks. You look approachable yet authoritative. Thank you. I just um, bought four new clergy shirts. I feel like I really needed to kind of step up my game. And you know how they all wear out at the same time? Sort of. That's how mine do. So this is not new. This is an oldie, but a goodie. God, they're so expensive. That's my whole point of the story is they're so expensive. I I don't care if this stays in the pod. It's a little behind the scenes of the clergy life. This shirt is basically... It's basically a long sleeve t-shirt that has a clerical, you know, it has. Oh yeah. So it's the material is like t-shirt material, which is cute, but it's a little like form fitting. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, So I decided, you know, I need the traditional clergy shirt with a placket. Like I don't want to always be out there with my business. So I ordered that. And was once again, just like transported back to my young priesthood where I get this shirt and it looks like it's all boxy. Mm -hmm. It's I bought the smallest shirt that this is not a brag. I bought the smallest shirt that they make at all me and it's still I'm swimming in it. And it's just sort of bummer. Like, I just feel like I'm wearing like my older brother's shirt or something like it's just weird. You know, Liz, I I have I have both pity and no no pity <laughs> first it of all no shape it's not just the size it's the shape like they're not made for women's bodies and i just feel frumpy right totally like i've often envied the fact that men can like have a uniform almost yeah like when i wear as a clergy person when i wear a nicely tailored black suit i look a little too severe Whereas most men, like you could wear that every day, like a gray suit or a black suit with a clergy shirt, you could wear it every day. But then I've also heard guys say like, oh, I don't have as many choices to express myself as women do. And I wish I did. So it goes both ways. It goes both ways. But I think that um, men could express themselves more if they wanted to. It's really not fair. You You have it tough, Ricardo. You should get like half off all the clothes all the time. Yeah, we don't. And you're right about the boxy thing. So the way I do not have pity for you is <laughs> for you to say, oh, even the smallest size I'm swimming in. Well, I have the opposite problem. I'm basically a cube. Um, <laughs> I'm the kind of person that those box, those kind of boxy shirts are made for, but they don't, yeah. they don't account for the height of me being short. Right, um, right. And also I have a thick neck. So my problem with having to get new clergy shirts is not that they wear out so much as that I get kind of thicker and round. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's tighter or yeah. Oh, I don't know. So I, you're right though. It is a problem. I, it's a weird uniform that we have to wear. 
It is. I think you're right, though. I think you should get to be a woman clergy. You know what I mean? To get to feel good in what you're wearing and not like you're wearing a pillowcase. You know? Exactly. It's exactly yeah. right. Thank you. I don't, yeah, I don't. Podcast. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> We're not going to talk about books today. We're going to talk about fashion. I think you look great in what you're wearing. Thank and you. I think you always look good. I mean, Thank you. I had occasion recently to not be able to change into clericals in time for our more informal 5 p.m. Saturday service. Uh-huh. So I had my like REI, you know, they can become shorts. Yeah. And then like a polo shirt or something. And they were like, wow, this is great. <laughs> and it was so hot. And we were in the courtyard that I only put a stove on. Over yeah. There. And they loved it. Even yeah. like I asked, I asked, there are a couple of traditionalists that somehow go to the informal service. I said, mm-hmm. are you okay if I do this? And they said, oh yeah, sure. But I got home and told William and he said, okay, only because it was hot that day. And he wouldn't let me next The next Saturday I had to wear my clericals. So I remember early in my ordained life, I had a nightmare that I couldn't find black shoes in time for worship. And it was such a church of the advent nightmare specifically, like in the dream, I only had like bright red sandals. (laughs) <laughs> and I just knew like, this is not okay. This is not okay. I need to find my black shoes. That's right. Well, I've seen clergy in uh, all kinds of footwear. Oh, yeah. And acolytes too. Oh, you know, yeah. You mentioned Church of the Advent. That happens to be uh, in San Francisco, my home parish, but where Liz did her field ed. Mm-hmm. Yep. You had to yeah. wear black shoes. I got to tell you, I've seen some people not wearing black shoes there these days. Really? Yeah, I don't know. Standards. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Well, Liz, (laughs) I guess we should have a book club podcast. Let's do it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to your summer edition of the Popping Collars Book Club, otherwise known as the PCBC, and you want to be PC, uh, um, never mind. And what <laughs> <laughs> to say about that? Um, well, welcome to PCBC. It's good to be with you. Uh, I am one of your two hosts for this satellite podcast in the Popping Collars universe, Ricardo Avila. I'm the rector at St. Luke's Los Gatos in California. And uh, all is well. I am on the verge. And by the time you hear this, I will be on vacation and pilgrimage. uh, 33 days. I have never been away from my job that long. And I think it's going to be fine. I think they'll be fine. They might even thrive (laughs) and tell me to stay in Spain. But yeah, going to the Holy Land for 10 days and then to uh, southern Spain for 20. I'm looking forward to it. And with me is my co-host. Please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Liz Easton. I'm the canon to the ordinary in the Diocese of Nebraska. I'm not going away for 30 days, but um, later this month, I am going away for a couple of weeks. I'm going to go to Seattle, where I grew up, where my family is, be there for a few days, take the train up to Vancouver, BC, see some friends from seminary, take the train back to Seattle, stay there for a little longer. So all told, I'll be away for two weeks, which I'm really looking forward to. Well, that's great. Do you like taking the train? 
I haven't done it in years. When I was in college, I think I took the train up to Canada, but I just lived really close to the Canadian border. So it's been a long time since I've taken Amtrak at all. So I'm kind of looking forward to it. I think Amtrak is kind of up to their game a little. They try to have more perks to try to get people to travel by train. But yeah. I, the times I've taken the Amtrak, like seven hours late. Late. I know. That's it, the problem. You can't. So I'm just preparing my friends for that. Like, just don't, like, I'll find you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry too much. Okay. Well, good. I mean, I, maybe that's part of the magic is, you know, yeah. you're on the schedule. You're taking the train. I need a passport though. Better hurry. Yeah. Well, it's been, so my passport was expired. It expired during COVID. It has been out away from me at the department of state or whatever for a month, at least expedited. I still haven't gotten it back. So fingers crossed. Wow. Yes. Maybe I was going to say wear your collar, but I don't know if that's going to help any. No. And it says in the picture, you're not supposed to wear a uniform. Oh, did you, did you know that? No, I didn't. So when I get to went to get my passport picture taken, I was like, Ooh, I can't wear a clerical collar today. Yeah, I, I did, actually I did know that because I just got mine renewed recently. Okay, well, let's dive in. We yeah. have some book selections for you to consider uh, for your summer reading uh, pleasure. What are they? <laughs> <laughs> I've got two. I've got one that's a little more serious and one that's a little more not serious. Why don't you start with your, either one, please? Okay. Okay. Well, the more serious one I'll start with um, is a book that I just finished and I read the review on the New York Times, right? You know, as it was coming out, and I heard the description, and I was like, "Wait, did someone jump into my brain and write a book for me? Nice. Could could that be possible?" And so I put myself on the wait list, and it took a while to get it, but I finally did, and I ate it up. I loved it. It's called "The Farewell Tour" by Stephanie Clifford. And here's the premise of this book. I don't want to give too much away. It's one of those novels that goes from present time, from the book's present time, then back in time, back to present time, to back in time. So there's sort of this alternating narrative. It's set in 1980 when a country music star nearing the end of her career named Lillian Waters is um, taking her farewell tour. It's her very last tour because she has discovered that she has some polyps on her vocal cord Mm -hmm. that um, is not going to allow her to sing for very much longer. And she doesn't really want to tell anyone that, but she, her career has been faltering and she wants to have like one last big tour. And she's sort of a, a little bit of a problematic character. Like she's not entirely likable, but is also pretty sympathetic character. So it's set in 1980 when she begins this journey of her last tour. And she wants to end up in her hometown of Walla Walla, Washington. That's where her last concert will be. She had a very traumatic childhood. So part of what she's doing is sort of confronting that past as this big star. And it just goes back and forth between her life in the early 1980s, back to the journey that she took all the way to becoming the star that she is. If you like country music, it's probably better than if you don't, but I think it would still be good no matter what. It's just sort of a slice of life 
story coming a lot of it is set in Tacoma Washington during the um World War II so if you're from the Northwest or have any familiarity with the Northwest it's kind of great and there's a a really redeeming surprise that I don't want to say anything about that I didn't see coming and was really really moving so I recommend it um The Farewell Tour a novel by Stephanie Clifford wow and did that just come out um, yeah, it came out, it looks like in March of this year. And um, Stephanie Clifford has written another novel called Everybody Rise, which I did not read, and has written a lot of she's done a lot of long form investigative journalism, also in sort of like big places like the New York Times, the New Yorker, the Atlantic. And she's she's originally from Washington State. So you can kind of tell that in the reading, it's very well researched. You know, Liz, I I kid you not, almost every book you come up with for PCBC, I have never heard of. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't have heard of this either. I I just happened to read the a review of it in the Times. So um, I don't know. Like, I don't think it's going to make any lists at the end of the year. It might. And I wouldn't be mad if it did. It's a good book, but it feels a little bit niche. Oh, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. That kind of Northwestern country music. Yep. Family trauma situation. Yes. Okay. Right, exactly. Very nice. Thank you. Well, <clears throat> you know, Liz, whenever PCBC time comes around, I find myself a little um, at loose ends because it's hard for me to love a book. Mm. And I don't know why. I don't think I'm that fussy about things. Maybe I am, but I mean, I, I certainly like a lot of things about books, but I just to recommend something, I feel like I really need to back it, you know, full heartedly. I, I have the opposite problem. Yeah, everything seems great to you. Yeah, when I read it, pretty much. Um, and then I recommend it. And I've gotten into some trouble on this podcast because I will like recommend something a big way and someone will read it and they'll come back to me later and be like, really? That was okay. Okay. <laughs> I didn't think it was as good as you thought it was. It's like, well, I don't know. I'm I'm a positivist, I guess. Uh, you know, you're right, though, but your enthusiasm is infectious. I mean, I've purchased books because of you. And then you didn't like them. I haven't read them. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> They're on my shelf with the 800 others I haven't read. But uh, I, a parishioner, I, I never have people at, at the church where I am listen to this podcast. I mean, I, I put it in our e-news. Nobody, you know, there's nobody oh. takes the bait. Except for this new parishioner, and she read one of your uh, selections. What was the one recently you said was the best book you've read in years? Oh, um, wait, give me a second. This really, this literally was the best book that I've read in years. Let me find it. That book was Properties of Thirst by Marianne Wiggins. Properties of Thirst. That was an incredible book. Yeah. So my parishioner read that, and she said, oh, it was good. It was a little long, but it, it was, was good. And I could just tell she was kind of not raving about it, but she, she read it and, you know, more power to you. You never know. Right. Um, I loved it. I like sent it to people. Wow. Yeah. One of our former bishops uh, needed something to read uh, for a length of time. And um, so I just sent it to his house. (laughs) He was like, Oh, thank you. It's like, trust me. It's the best (laughs) book ever. (laughs) Well, okay. Well, you know what, actually that segues into my book choice. I think that has helped me decide which book I want to recommend. Um, okay. Kind of a so so I'm hard I'm hard to please or I, I I'm very 
stingy when it comes to recommending books. And I guess that's a difference between you and me. And I think if I had to be one or the other, I'd rather be more like you. Like, you got to read this. Oh, I really like this. And just, you know, let people figure it out. I think it's good to be enthused. So I have been accidentally, it hasn't been like a plan. I've been reading a lot of books by either by Asian American or Asian authors or about Asian Americans or Asians. That's Uh, good. I think that May was Asian American Pacific Islander History Month. Was it? Wow. There were a lot of um, Asian American like read alongs that happening at the time. So good. Good timing is all I'm saying. There you go. Yeah, I must have. There must have been something I, I picked up on like subconsciously. And the but the other thing, Liz, is my reading habits, I think, are a little unhealthy because I, I it's all about like quantity. Mm-hmm. You know? and, it, and it's all books that I think I want to read, et cetera. And I'm, I've got audio books and I'll finish an audio book and probably wait 30 seconds and then start a new one. You know? Yeah. So you don't get to absorb it. You're just like on to the next thing. Yeah. And I've already, you know, what is it? End of May. I've already read like 25. Wow. I know. I mean, some of those are short, uh, but, and I don't know, it's not healthy, but it feels like goal oriented. And somehow that motivates me. Well, and it's more healthy than a lot of other things. That's true, Liz. That's true. <laughs> it could be goal-oriented towards, I don't know, drinking or something. <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, so, you know, I, I go through all these books, but then I started noticing, you know, I don't even know why, like it came up as available on the, you know, audiobook from the library, but um, all these all these authors. So the book that I'm going to recommend is, uh, it's I don't want to say it's representative of the other ones I'm, I've been reading. Um, but I just, I, I kind of like when I notice this trend without actually trying. And it does make you think differently about things like, you know, Asian food, Asian restaurants. Oh, after I read this book, I wanted to go to Korean restaurants like <laughs> days. So it's a book by Michelle Zahner. And it is a uh, um, a memoir. And you've heard of it. It's called Crying in H Mart, which I believe came out in 2022. Have you heard of it? I've definitely heard of it. I haven't read it, but like it was a big hit last year. Yeah. So she is, she's a singer. She's oh. a singer. She's a performer. Uh, she either is or is in uh, a group called Japanese Breakfast. Oh. Which, by the way, there is such a thing as a Japanese breakfast where I was traveling somewhere and I wanted to try a restaurant and on the menu was Japanese breakfast. And I said, what is it? I was so excited, but I couldn't go to the restaurant. So I I don't know. I imagine there's like some noodles or rice involved with eggs and such. Anyway, so she's in a band or a, a group called Japanese Breakfast. And it's kind of an indie kind of edgy band. And it's hers. It's her music. So crying in H Mart is basically about her relationship with her Korean parents, but most especially with her mother, who uh, was born in Korea and came to the U.S. And I believe Michelle Zahner is from the U.S. Now, I it's been a few months since I read this, uh, so I may be fuzzy on the details. Basically, her mother her, her mother dies from cancer pretty early in her life, like in her late fifties or something. And uh, they have this pretty tempestuous relationship, especially of, of course, when Michelle's honors a teenager and her mother is like unsentimental. You know, the, the book is, is pretty, I love how it's honest about 
how people aren't always nice to each other, but they really want the best for each other. And she and her mother had a huge falling out and to the point that um, the author went away for university on the East Coast. They all they had a little bit of a like they weren't really in communication much, but the sickness really brought them back together. And when her mother died, you know, it just, it really affected her. And so it's it's sort of about how her mother did so much in, in some ways she didn't even realize to make sure that she had it, you know, a good life, but also was kind of unflinchingly critical of her and um, demanding of her and that she be a certain way. And it's, it's, it's a good book. And it also talks about when they go back to Korea and visit family, but the biggest thing it's about is food. Mm. Oh my Lord. All these things. And, you know, you're listening on audiobooks, so I don't know how any of this is spelled. And she's, I, I want to, is it the author who reads it? No, I don't think so. But, you know, you're hearing these names of food and, you know, the descriptions, and they sound, for me anyway, they sound a little like, ew, ew. But then they say it's delicious, you know, like eel something or other. So it made me want to go to Korean restaurants. And that idea that food is such a, a something that bonds people together, generations, families and when all else fails we can rely on food to kind of be the the conciliatory thing that brings us back together i really liked it because it was it was really honest and and kind of intense she's a little intense but also vulnerable you know and um i think it's it's well written it's just it's really well written i i was sort of surprised oh a pop star writing about her thing but it was it was terrific so i recommend crying in h mart by michelle zoner uh it's a good memoir it'll make you want to eat korean food it's a window on something i don't know a lot about you know those relationships between generations uh from asia and living in the us mm-hmm. i've heard that it's great and very emotional like that you should get ready to cry yourself if you read crying in h mart yeah yeah it is. She's so good. I mean, I, you know, I, I love when people say sentimental things, but in an unsentimental way, mm-hmm. it just feels authentic, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'll recommend. You, you had a second one. I do. I have just like kind of a fun for the right person. This wouldn't be fun for everyone, but I read the scariest book I've read. <laughs> In years, I'm not a huge, super big, like scary person, scary book person, but this uh, came into my possession and it's a new book and I was reading it. First of all, I read it in like one day oh. and it was the type of thing I had like a day off, like a Saturday or something. I read it all day. It was the type of thing where I would like gasp out loud or like have to shut the book and like turn away. Be like, <laughs> like it was so, so scary and there are parts later that are a little gory so if that is triggering for you don't read it but most of the scariest parts were entirely suspense scary Mm. Um, so anyway this book is called the last word by taylor adams and here's the premise i won't give too much away but um there is a young woman who is house sitting on a remote beach again in the Pacific Northwest, like it's off season. She got a job just house sitting this beach house and she can spend the winter there or whatever, or the fall. And um, she reads a ton while she's there. And she writes a really negative review online about a book that she read. Mm -hmm. And then like next, well, then the author of the book 
starts um, harassing her and for writing the bad review. And it is so scary. And so if you really want just like a thrill, like a fun thrill, I would recommend it. The last word. Wow. That's quite a premise. You, I, 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 does that happen in real life? I would think. I don't know. I did wonder though, if an author, it, it seems like that's a fantasy that an author could have. Right. So it did make you think <laughs> the author, like, Hmm, where did this idea come from? But it's really good. The narrator is a little unreliable, which makes the mystery thriller aspect even more fun because you're really trying, you actually do have to kind of pick up on clues and um, most of the twists I didn't see coming. And it's just a really, really good thriller. Wow. Again, I've never heard of it. Is it like a famous author? Like a, I don't think so. He wrote another, I think another really famous thriller. Oh. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, no, it's, it's like kind of a mass market. Yeah. Thriller. Yeah. Like, this is not literary fiction. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Man, I miss being able to just tear through a book. It was really fun. I was really grateful that I had this day off and it was great to just lie on the couch and, and be like, ah, yeah, it was really good. See, that's what I want to do. Why can't we get paid to do that? Well, I don't know. Yeah. Lie on the couch and read. Yeah. It was not bad. It was not <laughs> what are you bringing any books on your big trip? Uh, I am, but I haven't quite figured it out. Um, you know, they say not to bring. Okay. Okay, wait, can I back up and say, well, I'll answer this, and then I have another thing to say. First of all, I love that you read those books, like the Taylor Adams book you mentioned, uh, because I just think it's a good, we take ourselves too seriously sometimes. I have to confess, when I have a Stephen King book that comes up in my audio book, I get excited, because even though it's going to be overly long, because it always is, it's like, come on, you definitely get swept up in it. Mm-hmm. And you you can play it at 1.25 speed and not miss a thing. The books that I'm taking with me. So I took a pilgrimage a couple of years ago to France. And I don't know why. I thought I was so desperate to get away. I thought I'm going to do all this reading. And I literally took a dozen books with me, which I then had to cart all around France. Oh, you brought like physical books. I brought physical books. Oh my I brought physical books. And then I bought more books when I was there. Mm-hmm. So I came back with like 16 books. Oh. And... It was ridiculous. And guess how many I read? One eighth of one. Yeah, right. <laughs> because there's too much to see, you know, who, you know. So what I'm taking with me is my Lonely Planet Guide to Spain for the Spain part. The pilgrimage yeah. part in Israel and the occupied territories is pretty set. So there's not a lot of, oh, make sure you check out this restaurant. So um, I'm taking the Spain book. I do have a book called in the steps of Jesus by a guy named Peter Walker. And it was sort of recommended by the tour person that's doing the pilgrimage. I started it and it's pretty good. It's pretty basic. It has scripture passage. It uses the gospel of Luke. Mm-hmm. And then it, it takes you to the places in that area that, you know, pertain. So you start in Bethlehem, right? And then you go to Nazareth, you know, where he grows up and such Galilee, where he does his ministry. And um, it gives you scripture passages. It talks about historical things back then, lots of photographs, and then what it's like today. And um, little sidebar things about, you know, Josephus's take on that time or whatever. Mm -hmm. So 
I think uh, I'll take that. And then I just, I need to take a fun book, you know, and I need to take a little Bible because I may just want to read passages when I'm in these actual places. And I need to take my morning prayer office book. So, or my daily office book. So that's five books right there, I think. So that's it. Do you have one of those Bible BCP combos? I have a BCP hymnal combo. Um, They're big though, Liz. They're like, they are, they're bricks. I've traveled with those before when I didn't want to bring a Bible and my daily office book, Mm -hmm. but um, that's a lot. That's my traveling stuff. When I'm doing a big trip like that, I like to give myself permission to buy like a mass market paper book, like paperback. That's just like, you know, fat, just like a small And so then you can read it on the plane, which is pretty much when I would do all my reading on a trip like that anyway, and maybe before bed to wind down, but like some just like big old, like Game of Thrones or like um, (laughs) Outlander. (laughs) Oh, Outlander. Oh, dear. Oh, that's right. Didn't you have an Outlander story? (laughs) Yeah. Those books are long. And racy at certain points. They are. Yes, they are. So this whole thing about, um, you know, kind of listening to and reading Asian American books or Asian books lately, the other book I was almost going to recommend won the Pulitzer Prize for memoir uh, just now, like last week, and it's called Stay True, and it's by a guy named Hua Xu, but uh, he's the actual uh, reader of the audio. It's basically about his friendship. He goes to Cal Berkeley and befriends a guy named Ken. Uh, who uh, at a, who gets basically carjacked and murdered yeah. while they're still in college and uh, kind of about the aftermath of that. What I loved about it was you get a real sense of place. It's the 1990s in Berkeley. He talks about his relationship with his parents and especially his father who goes back to Taiwan for a really good job, but he and his mother stay here in, in, in um, Cupertino. It's, it's the relationship of trying to connect. And his dad just seems so sweet. They buy a fax machine to communicate. You know, he says, send me your homework and I'll, I'll help you with it, you know, because he has trouble with math. And so he'll send him the, the, the answers and send him little things. Oh, I think that this, well, what, what do you think? And he's trying to engage his son via fax machine. That's so sweet. Yeah, it's very sweet and it's well written. And that sense of being in college and he tries to be so smart about music and he looks down his nose at Pearl Jam, which I loved. And so Greg's going to, of course, cut this out of the podcast. And Yellow Leadbetter, that song comes up. I don't know what he's saying. Uh, so, uh, but he disses uh, Pearl Jam and he loves the band Pavement, which I did love in my time in the 90s. I like that about him. And he's just, you know, he's a cool guy. And Ken is like a frat guy. Japanese American, but they bond and they have all this circle of friends. But the problem is, and I I guess this is a bit of a spoiler, you know, he gets killed about maybe two thirds of the way in the book. It's a short memoir. 
And after that, the book just sort of loses its focus for me. It, it just gets a little unmoored, maybe like the author did. Um, and so that sense of a whole world of friends and what they do and they're in college and, you know, brings up your college days or did mine. And then he, he quotes philosophers that they're studying. And it's really, it's sharp and smart and fun. And then it just kind of gets lost. And so I can't fully recommend it, but the Pulitzer Prize people thought it was good enough. And certainly the New York Times people made it one of their top 10 of the year last year. Yeah, I remember reading about it last year. It's it's worth a read. It's it's well written it, and uh and it's short. It's probably 240 pages or it's like 5 hours on audiobook. Oh yeah, it's short. Yeah. So I don't have um, a ton of memoir. So that's a good that's a good recommendation. Yeah, I, I want I recommend it to Greg as well because I think he needs to see Pearl Jam. Oh, and and there's a little reconciliation around the Pearl Jam even. I think he buys an album or something. Oh wow. In in memory of the friend. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I- Anyway, so that's all. That's all. I think that's it. Yeah, that was a lot. Did we do an episode? I think so. Okay, Greg will make it work. Yeah, he always does. He always does. Well, uh, that's another episode of the PC Popping Collars, that is, Book Club or PCBC. It's been great getting to chat with you about books. And Liz, it's always a treat. Same. Yeah, to hang out with you. Um, So... I don't know. Do we have to do the outro stuff here? Oh, we could maybe a little, you know, I'll tell you this. I have a parishioner, a young woman, 14 years old, and she's been a great acolyte. And she just graduated from something like middle school into high school for a gift. Cause she saw my PCBC stickers on my water bottles and she said, that's really cool. And I said, I'm going to get you a t-shirt for graduation. Oh, pick the color and the size and all that. So she's busily picking that and she's going to get one. Uh, And you can get one too, for the people in your life by going to our website, poppingcollarspodcast.com and looking up at the top right area, I think. And it says buy our merchandise or something. And you'll go to the website and you can put our logo on pretty much anything. And they have so Please do buy that. You'll people will ask you questions because it's a very cool logo, and uh, they'll want to know why you have it and they don't. <laughs> and that's it. And you can find us wherever you found us to listen to this. Because why look for anywhere else if you've got the place you need to get to us? So that's it. Thank you, Liz. Thank you. Keep reading and keep those collars popped. Pop pop. Good job. Good job.